And as we continue today, oh, I apologize, I didn't fast forward to the second part there for you all, if you're looking at the screens, but how many of you know what this is? Yes, Tom Tom, probably the world's most ridiculous word for a product, Tom Tom. I, I don't understand how they got to that, maybe you can enlighten me later on, but you all know what Tom Tom's supposed to do, right? TomTom is supposed to direct, it was like the first GPS that wasn't part of, you know, either like some radio thing that you had that was part of the, you know, what the army had, or eventually those navigation systems in your car, which sometimes men call that my wife. Not this guy, just some men have done. So TomTom, it gives you direction. It gives you direction. What I want to do this morning, based off of what we're going to look at, and, and, and let me help you. Our title this morning is, Jesus is Enough. All right? Jesus is Enough. And the problem with the church at Colossae is that they kind of started fudging on that. They started listening to a lot of additional stuff. They were picking up Oprah's book. They were picking up Dr. Oz's book. There, that's amazing, too, because it was, you know, 2,000 years ago. But y- you know what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm saying. And so Paul says, wait. You're going to end up in a heap on the floor, in the fetal position, if you're following that stuff. It's not going to give you the answers you need. You're going to end up diverting into wrong places. I, I remember my son, showed, he loves the, the TV series The Office. And he showed me this episode where the, the, the manager, if you're not familiar, the manager, Michael Scott, is kind of a buffoon. All right, And they had this section where technology was supposed to be coming into the office to help them. And he had a rental car, and this was kind of like icing on the cake. He had a rental car with a nav system telling him where to go. And this was when they were first coming out, and they weren't always... Have you gotten lost from a nav system? Yeah. Redirect, redirect, redirect. Right? So he's driving, and his cohort, Dwight, is in the seat next to him. And he's driving, and he's driving around this lake, and Dwight's yelling at him, We're lost. You're going the wrong way. He goes, No, the machine's telling me to go this way. I'm going to go this way. And he makes a left. It's the boat ramp. They're going into the lake, and Dwight keeps yelling, Stop, Michael, stop. He goes, No, the machine's telling me to do this. And he just floods the whole rental car. And, and they get out, they're in like two feet of water, and Michael's pretending like he's drowning, and Dwight goes into an EMT operational mode. It's, it's a pretty hilarious scene, but the point is this, is folks, sometimes we get these things in our lives, and they're supposed to direct us, and they lead us into disaster. That's what the message is about today. Now, I'm going to give you a little caveat. Because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about different kinds of people. You may identify with, I've, give, I've got four today. You may identify with one. You may identify with more than one. You may identify with all of them. I don't know. You let me know. You feed me back some emails during the week. Shoot me a text, whatever it is. But it's designed to help you look at the passage and say, how does this really work in real life with my issues, with my problems, with my challenges? How do I get to a point where I will say Jesus is enough? Because the reality for all of us is you're searching. You're searching. We're searching. We're searching for multiple things. And we're going to look at those things today. So Tom Tom was always searching. And he wasn't always right. Well, let's look at some other people. 
All right? These are our four people today. And so we have plurality Peggy. Sorry, I'm going off the whole tom-tom silly name things, right? We've got plurality Peggy. She's in your upper right-hand corner there. We've got worldview Wyatt. Can you guess which one is worldview Wyatt? Oh, yeah. You stereotype or judgmental people. Okay. Then we've got resolute Ryan. Does anybody... There's only one guy left, so it's not that hard of a question. Okay, yeah, he's, he's that guy sitting there looking kind of confident. Kind of reminds me of Sam Bedros. Just looking so strong there. Yes. All right. Um, then the last person we have is Kidnapped Christy. No point to our very own Christy. Our very own Christy has not been kidnapped. She's okay. She's sitting right over there. Let's look at it this morning. Let's start with plurality, Peggy, shall we? Let's look at verses 1 through 3. Let me go back and read them. Paul says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom all, I'm sorry, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. First, Paul's saying, number one, look, I can't be face to face with you, but I've heard about you. You don't know me. I don't really know you, but I've heard about you. You see, your pastor came and visited me and told me all about you and your struggles. Not only that, there's a church up a little bit north from you named Laodicea. And I don't really know them very well either, but I know that you guys face similar problems. You see what Paul's doing is he's talking about the collective. That word plurality. The collective whole. You know, we're in it together. We're doing something very special on the 15th of of November. We as a church are connecting with another church in our area to celebrate praise and thanksgiving. We need to do that. We need to be around other believers that we've never seen, we've never met before, and just have that sense of community and plurality about the same things. There's a strength and a beauty in all that. And so Paul's recognizing that. He's saying, look... I'm over here in Rome. I'm in prison. I can't connect with you, but we have much to connect over. We share a lot of the same things. Poor Peggy here, she's looking into everything. She's looking into everything for answers. And Paul says, I know that Laodicea is struggling that way. I know that you are struggling that way. And so what does he say? He, he says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in what? In love. To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. And then he says in verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's saying, number one, it's a message of love. That what Christ is, is a message of love. When you're punching those coordinates into TomTom and you're trying to figure out how to get to where you need to get to, you want to have a certain level of confidence, but you may be going somewhere that is very important personally, that's going to connect and have deep relational value for you. Paul is saying to the believers that this message of Christ is a message of love. And then it goes beyond that. He uses words and and expressions such as assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
that when we examine Christ, it's not just about our spiritual world. We tend to marginalize Christ, don't we? We marginalize Him to Sunday and to prayers before we eat. And yet Paul's saying, when it comes to all knowledge, to all wisdom, and we'll get into this a little bit later with one of our other characters, he says Christ is the answer. So Peggy, when you're out there searching in all of these different areas for your answers, for your direction, Peggy, start with the fact that Christ's message is a message of love. And secondly, it's a message of understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. Amen? Okay, well, maybe your worldview, Wyatt. You're like, no, I I don't look anything like that. That actually looks like uh, one of my nephews. Not my nephews here, but a nephew that lives in Minnesota. Kind of looks like Josh a little bit. Or Jared, I mean. So worldview, Wyatt, what's this guy's deal? Well, let me introduce you to the problem. See, guys like Wyatt have to do with being philosophers. We all think, we all follow, we all act on our convictions. What set of convictions? Maybe you're Wyatt today. Maybe that's who you are in the room. Maybe that's what you bring, is that you just eat up deep readings. You know, you've got a subscription to I Am, Therefore I Think magazine. Obviously, I'm not part of that group. If you realize what I just said. Some of you are like, why are people laughing? I don't get it. It's I think, therefore I am. Okay, I just reversed it as an act of false humility. Okay, we all think, we all follow, we all act on convictions. This is worldview Wyatt. Why do you do what you do? Why do you think the way you think? Do you know it's your worldview that shapes how you act? And you're saying... Pastor, I came here to be inspired. I didn't come for Philosophy 101. I didn't sign up at DBC or, uh, you know, Cal State, Eastward Bay, whatever. <laughs> we all think, we all follow, we all act on convictions. Verses 3 through 5. Let's see what Wyatt needs to hear. Again, you heard verse 3. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not just some. Not just the spiritual ones, but all of them. And he says this, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Have you ever heard those guys at the coffee shop? Turn on PBS. Just for five minutes, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? People that just love to voice their opinion, that love to get in an argument about something and and destroy other people's plausible thoughts or convictions that these individuals have a desperate need to be right about all things concerning life. Well, that's good. That's good. To pursue those answers and convictions in life and to know why you do what you do is desperately important. But this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, in whom Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Have you ever been fooled by somebody? Philosophically? That you bought into their system, you bought into their thinking. Because it sounded real good at first. You know? Yes, I did buy one of those flex, what are those things Suzanne Summers was selling? The bowmaster, I don't know. The thigh master, yes, it sounded good at the time. 
Now you're all picturing me using the thigh master. Stop it. No, I did not buy one of those. But there are those moments in life where we're, we go out and we, like, how many of you, you're going through certain stores or malls and you see the section as seen on TV and you can't make it past that aisle? Right? Somebody's having an influence on you because they've convinced you this is good for you. It's going to take you to that next level. It's going to take you to that next section. Paul says, don't be fooled. Let's look at this. We all think, we all follow, we all act on convictions. Why it is correct in this. Next, Jesus is accurate to three feet. That's what Paul's saying. Jesus is accurate to three feet. What do I mean by that? To you. You know, every person, your personal footprint is about three square feet. That's the point. Jesus is not only accurate in philosophy, he's not only accurate in spiritual things, he's not only accurate in the sciences and medicine and on and on, because he is the creator of all those things. And not only is he the creator of them, he sustains them. He holds them up. You know, here's the fascinating thing, because Wyatt would say, you have no proof of that. And so I'm going to go for more of this esoteric, uh, my strength is in me, and I'm going to figure this out under, under my understanding. Can I just help you that as I was talking with somebody recently, they went to uh, uh, the world's solution, which sometimes, folks, I'm, I'm just, you know, I don't want you to think I'm bagging on what the world has to offer. There's a lot of good out there, right? You're sick, you got appendicitis, go to the doctors, Okay. Go get something done medically. You know, if, if you're looking to get some education, go get educated. Uh, on and on and on. Your car breaks down, I'm not sure I'm going to advise you to lay hands on it. Okay? I want you to take it to a mechanic who will lay the proper hands on it. Right? There's a practicum to this. But there's also an avoidance from those important things. And those important things, Paul is saying, look, Jesus is accurate in all things. And sometimes we segment Him away, don't we? Sometimes we just put Jesus over the spiritual. So let's look at this. If Jesus is accurate in all things, as Paul is, is saying or stipulating, what, what does He mean by that? Well, He's saying, don't be deluded. So He encourages the Colossian church to be firm in their faith. How does this work out? Verse 5, look at it. For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the what? The firmness of your faith. That your faith is strong, it is solid, it's unwavering. It doesn't mean that you won't be challenged in your faith. It doesn't mean that you won't have certain doubts at certain times. But it means that when something is pressing hard against it, it's going to stand. It's going to stand. Social justice serotonin junkie all right this is this is my thing folks this is it worldview wyatt i was talking about these macchiato tipping skullcap wearing philosophers and my kids are like skullcap what are you talking about with a skullcap and i'm like i'm ahead of you millennials all right i've got my own term worldview wyatt is that guy and have you ever met a bunch of people more than our current millennials that are so strong as far as advocates for social justice. It's all about social justice. I want to know if your church 
is doing anything about human trafficking. If you're not doing anything about human trafficking, I'm going to go to a church that is. Now, you're sitting here and you're, you're paying very close attention. That's good. You're probably wondering, the, the flip side of that is, well, pastor, don't you care about... Yeah, absolutely I care about human trafficking. But show me somebody who will do something about human trafficking that's not going to wear a t-shirt about it. Show me something that, somebody that's going to do it on their own time. Show me somebody who's going to do it in a sacrificial way without all the fanfare. And then I think we've got something. You see, movements come and go. And people need to feel good about themselves. And what we are doing is we are replacing God. We're replacing Jesus. We're replacing the Holy Spirit with activities. You get it? And it's amazing that those things actually, in fact, never fully satisfy. You may do something great. And by the way, I'm not discounting that what they're doing isn't great. What they're doing is, is good work. But my question is, just like Worldview Wyatt, what's the motivation here? And is what you're trying to do, have you just been caught up by another plausible argument? Or another philosophy out there that, that my salvation and my acceptance in Christ and, and who I am as a person is qualified because of these good things I do. Right? Christ says, no, it's fully through me. It's through my work. It's through my action on the cross that you are justified, that you are sanctified, that I will, I will do that work within you through my Holy Spirit. It's not through empty and worldly philosophies. My challenge with this SJSJ, as I call it, is this. It has to do with effectiveness. Take ego out of the equation and you get accurate results. This past week I was blessed to be able to speak to the students at Berean and I talked about a life verse of mine, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And in 29 Paul says, For this I toil. But I started out the message talking about I can do all things. And I talked about, hey, look at all these things that I've done in my life. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And I said, you know, I'm not trying to brag about anything, but I was asked, you know, what do you want to be known for? What do you want me to say as I introduce you? Hey, I've done this, I've done this. And all I did is list a bunch of things I've done. And I put up the picture. You guys know what picture I put up. Yeah, catching the ball. Catching the Mike Trout foul ball. And I even brought the ball with me to brag about it. And I just kept emphasizing the point, look at what I've done! Right? Isn't this great? Then I put up a picture of Eric. The man that I was blessed to pray with. And I said, you know what? Both things are on my wall. The man that I was blessed to be in his final hours with. The man I was able to walk through in his final hours to get to heaven. The man I was blessed to baptize. Who had a complete change in life but cancer eventually took his life for this I toil you know that's not where it ends that verse it ends with through his power that he mightily works through me and see worldview why it doesn't know that power he will buy into plausible arguments he will buy into worldly philosophy that does on the surface some good things and makes you feel good in the immediate moment but it ends up 
leading you to want more. It's like Turkish delight, right? It leads you to wanting more and more and more. And so this morning, my encouragement to you when it comes to worldview, world, that's hard to say, worldview Wyatt, when it comes to effectiveness, take ego out of the equation. And now we're talking about leaning on who? Myself or Jesus? Now you're talking about something that will always stay with you. Always stay with you. Let's look at what this looks like. Number one, healing. How many of you emotionally, um, physically, we, we joked a little bit about Chuck, but we're just having some time, some, some good time, but I do believe that God heals us physically. I hope you do too. And we hear story after story, whether it's provision, rescue, restoration, security, on and on and on. In all of these areas where you could only go so far, your philosophy, your worldview could only take you so far, and there was no more answer. And yet what Paul is saying here is that it is through Christ working through you that goes beyond these empty and deluded and plausible arguments. And he says, that's what I want you to focus on. Focus on Christ. Stop focusing on these other areas. They sound good, and in some sense, they make, they work. But they always come up short. I started to tell you about someone that I was talking with uh, recently that was in part of our system that's trying to accomplish healing, provision, rescue, restoration, security, trying to do all those things. And here's what ended up happening as a result of multiple times going to those in our society or our culture that seek to help when it comes to mental health issues or counseling is that they will address the what. When questioned about the why, this individual was told, we don't have time for that. What we're going to do is we're just going to take care of the what, the immediate situation and make it manageable. You know, a lot of counseling out there, because of the way it's a turnstile situation, it's just a triage unit. Because that's all it can operate in to a certain level, to a certain degree. And please hear me carefully. I'm not saying that all the counseling that's out there is, is something that's, that's not a good thing. But what I am being very honest with you about is They can't address the why. They can't address the why. Because the why has to do with sin. The why has to do with Christ. The why has to do with all of that. And the question for you and I this morning is, if we want to be worldview Wyatt, we're going to stop right here. That's as far as we can go. And Paul says Christ has something so much more for you. So much more for you. And hear me clearly, I'll say it again. You're going to hear me say this multiple times. I am not saying to lay hands on your vehicle when it's broken. You get what I'm saying? There are practical things that God has given us, that God has supplied us with, to live our life out in connection with day-to-day living. But what Paul is emphasizing is when we start, start to leave Christ out of those things, that's when we limit. That's when we. That's when Tom Tom starts redirecting, and we're stuck in a perpetual loop. All right. 
Next, Resolute Ryan. Who's this guy? Pretty snarky. I take it back. Sam, this is not you at all. All right? This guy, it just, it just smacks of arrogance. Right? My wife would tell him to button that top button. That's what my wife would say. Resolute Ryan. Well, let's look at what's, what has, what's going on with Resolute Ryan. Well, we all face doubt, right? And we all face manipulation, right? Thighmaster, right? Now, seriously, I did not buy that thing. But we all face manipulation. So what do we do with that? Well, let's go back to the Scripture, shall we? 5 through 7. Paul says this, For though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is this last statement is really what we're getting at when it comes to Resolute Ryan. He's speaking about the firmness, the confidence, the security of your faith. Has your faith been shattered on occasion? Has your faith been shaken? That's... You know, those are the things we all face. We all face this. The question is, how do you move past that? How do you succeed? How do you thrive? And let me just tell you that when I talk about that, I'm not talking about avoiding the challenge of it. That's no fun. Yes, you have, if God could just snap His fingers on your prayer... And you could just say, could you please just make me everything you need me to be right now? Boom. We're missing out on something. We're missing out on the free will and the struggle and the deep appreciation of us exalting God and and giving acts of love by making a decision to follow Him and not ourselves. Does that make sense? It's real connective anytime somebody does something gracious for you by their own free will and how deep of an of a action that is to you. That's why God has it set up the way it's set up. So yes, we will face these challenges. We will face doubt. We will face manipulation. But then Paul speaking to that firmness. How do you get resolute? How do you get firm in your faith? And so he says in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ, Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Wow. That's fantastic. Let's dig into it, shall we? Sorry, I can't help it. We finish with that statement. Abounding in thanksgiving. Now I'm thinking about turkey and cranberry sauce. and So that's why I said let's dig in. Okay. Jesus establishes our daily direction through constant updates. How many of you are woken up in the middle of the night because your phone is updating? Right? Or you go to do something and and the TV's got to update or something else. It's going to be the rest of our lives, folks. Constantly updating. I should start saying that to my kids when I drop them off for school. Have fun updating. All right? Here's the thing with Christ. That Jesus establishes our daily direction through constant updates. The idea is not so much that Resolute Ryan is a negative. It just represents somebody. And the reality is Resolute Ryan, he's confident. He's secure. He's there. He's unshakable. 
that's the goal with the button fastened. That's where we want to be. So how do we get there? Paul says, well, I'm not going to introduce that concept to you without giving you some very practical ways to do it. So let's look at it, shall we? If Jesus, or if, if we all face doubt, we all face manipulation, what is the answer? Well, we heard it. Jesus establishes our daily direction through constant updates. This is why it's so important for you and I to be fresh in our walk. You heard it from Paul when he's saying uh, in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so what? So walk in Him daily. Not just on Sundays. Not just at mealtimes with a prayer. But daily walk with Him. What does that look like? Well, let's give some, some practical that Paul gives us, right? Received means to daily live out the person and message of Jesus Christ. This word received that's in your scripture here, the way that it's translated is not necessarily in a past tense. It's written in the perfect tense, and what that means is that a past action has current ramifications. Have you ever bought something that's still blessing you today, right? Okay, that's, that's that concept of a, of a perfect tense in the Greek. And so he's saying you received it. When you hear received, you're probably like I would be thinking, oh yeah, when I made that decision to accept Christ, boom, there it was. I made it. I'm in. I signed on the dotted line. It's, it's, it's golden. It's beautiful. And then we got disillusioned because all of a sudden we were facing this and we were facing this and we thought, what happened? We stopped going for the updates. That's what happened. We shut the, the Wi-Fi off. We shut the data stream off. We told Tom, Tom, no, just go with that 1987 Thomas Guide map. Because no cities are increasing. No cities are adding roads. No cities are changing their infrastructure. Is tomorrow going to be like it is today? I ask you that simple question. Is tomorrow going to be like it is today? then do you need updated with Christ every single day? Yes, we do. I do. You do. So walk in Him, Paul says. And then he gives some specifics of how to do this. Number one, rooted. Okay, he gives this beautiful picture of a plant. Unlike these artificial things that are here. It's a plant receiving its nourishment from the ground. How does a plant receive its daily nourishment? It's through the roots. Now, the roots were established a while ago, right? That's, that's how this word received works. Is that the roots were established a while ago, but they're constantly active in supplying the plant. It's what? It's nourishment. What a beautiful metaphor Paul uses here to help us understand how Christ daily is helping us become firm in our faith. Amen? And he says, you know what, that's not enough. Because some of you don't understand horticulture. So I'm going to go to all you people that are engineers. Alright, all of you builders out there. And so he says, built up. Now this is present tense. But it's an active, it's an ongoing, so there's a future tense built into it as well. It's not a, a, a one-time kind of idea. It's not like, actually it is a little bit like, like Legos. How many of you grew up with Legos? We're getting that, that time in, in society that even most people in the room grew up with Legos. My son loved Legos. And then 
like they started making dinosaur Legos and all that stuff. What was that stuff called? I don't remember. Bionicles. Wow. That's just marketing, folks. Again, more manipulation. But the thing about, about Legos is you could just keep adding on and building up and building up. I don't know how you built your Lego buildings, but I built them to stay standing, not to fall down. But the trick was is to keep building and see how big you could make it before it would what? Before it would fall down. And when it fell down, some guys just walked away. Others started recreating and building again and building again. You see, that's the exciting thing about walking in Christ. Is that the worldly philosophies, the empty philosophies, the plausible arguments go like this far and they sound really good and there is some good in that. But it gets to here and it stops satisfying. And so you just, there you are. Graduated with your MA and whatever and you're done. With Christ you're constantly being updated so you're able to stand firm in your faith. Built up, constantly adding. Then he says established. This is for all of our legal people in the room, our people that sign. How many of you have a mortgage? You signed a mortgage. All right, some of you guys did. How many of you guys have like a, a contract with the studios because you're a great actor or a model or something? How many of you guys have that? Yeah. You know, Somebody comes, you, you go home today, and there's somebody in your house, and they're claiming imminent domain. <laughs> this is a complete stranger, moves into your house, and they're claiming imminent domain. It's mine now. You weren't here. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. What are you going to do? Are you even going to have an argument with the person? Are you even going to talk with the person? I would advise. Give them a cup of tea, sit them down at your table, and when they're not looking, slip something in there to make them go to sleep, then call the police. No, I would never encourage that. My point is this. There's one thing that settles the entire argument. As stupid as that sounds, there's one thing that settles the argument. What is it? Yeah, anything that has a contract with your name saying you're the owner. That's what Paul's talking about. It's a non-wavering agreement or contract in our belief. Have you ever thought about your walk with Jesus Christ that way? When he's speaking to the, the, the church at Colossae, he's saying... Look, when you receive Christ, you need to walk in Him, constantly being updated. You want to be like Resolute Ryan. You want to get to a level of confidence that you're not dissuaded by these, these silly things that are going on that keep coming up, and they're coming up over and over. You've got to be firm. Therefore, be satisfied in Christ. Because all answers, all wisdom, all knowledge is found in Jesus Christ. And when... Paul says this, I want you to understand, Paul's not saying, so don't study science, so don't study economics, so don't, that's not what he's saying. He's saying the wisdom of Christ and the knowledge of Christ is in all of that. So don't leave it out. Don't leave it out. Last person, kidnap Christy. Maybe this is you today. We all struggle with living behind bars of belief. 
What am I talking about? Let's look at verse 8. Paul talks about this. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. This is our challenge, my friends. And the church is facing this on so many different levels in our culture, in our society, worldwide. It's no longer about Jesus Christ. It's about satisfying the masses. And a church that's more concerned about satisfying the, the masses and acquiescing to the latest and greatest thing that's coming down the, the, the pike on the New York sellers, New York Times bestsellers list is a church that will not be here in a decade. It's a church that is powerless. It's a church that will not be resolute. It will be kidnapped. So the question for you and I today is, do we want to be kidnapped by those philosophies that have nothing to do with Christ? You know, let me encourage you, Jesus is a perfect navigator. Unlike Tom Tom, he's the perfect navigator. You ask Jesus, or you search what Jesus would tell you as far as a direction to go. If you read it correctly, by the way, sometimes we don't read the navigation unit correctly, right? Okay? So sometimes it's on us. But if you read Christ's Word correctly, and if you're seeking that, then you will be freed from bars of belief that Christ never had for you. Have you ever met somebody who believes so strongly in something, but they're a prisoner to it, and they're miserable because of it? This is what Paul's talking about. And it's serious. Because Christ died for a reason. Christ died for our freedom. Christ died to give you and I eternal life. Christ died to free us from sin and death. Christ died and rose again to give us joy in life, not to become prisoners to empty and worldly philosophies. So what do we do? Well, this is Paul's advice to Christie. Be a skeptic when it comes to the bestsellers. Somebody says they've got a new revelation or a new thing coming down the line. Can I just tell you that that person is an SJSJ in my opinion. They've not taken ego out of it. They're not depending on Christ to do the work. They want to do the work because why? Well, it fits with my next point. Compare the message of Jesus Christ against the core points of whatever that philosophy is that's being thrown upon you that wants to kidnap you. Does it fit with Christ? Does it fit with what Christ did for you and what He has for you? Is it talking about just the what or is it providing the why? Because, see, when you look at the why, you can solve the problem. Right? Have you ever had an explosion happen in your house? And you, you just, you're in your, you're in your barca lounger? And you're like, what? What the? What? So you jump up. Now, you might have said, what? What? By the way, I'm making this all up. But you didn't just stand there saying, what happened? What do you do? And when you don't get that answer, when you're yelling from, say, maybe your family room, maybe three feet off your barca lounger, what happened? What happened? And you're getting nothing. 
Do you just stand there and wait? No! You go and you run upstairs. Because maybe you live in a two-story house. And you run upstairs and you're like, you're throwing doors open. You're like, what happened? And then you find out people were playing G.I. Joe and jumping off of beds. And everything's fine, even though it sounded like a bunker buster bomb went off in your house. Then you breathe easy because everybody's safe and you go back to your Barker lounger and you eat celery with locale um, sauce because that's what's good for you. You see, the world's philosophies aren't going to give you the why. They're just going to give you the what. Be a skeptic when it comes to bestsellers. When we finish this morning, my, my last question to help you understand the differentiation is this. Does the prognosticator of that philosophy stand to gain anything from you buying it? If that's the case, and folks, you'll hear me say on occasion, I'll say it again. When it comes to your giving here at at Conquer Bible, you're giving to the Lord. That, That myself and the staff, we trust the Lord to provide for our needs, whether it's through what you guys give so graciously and thank you so much. I thank you. My family thanks you. My mother thanks you. But please don't give because I would ever try to coerce that out of you. I pray that you're never in that position where somebody who holds some kind of a spiritual authority in life tries to coerce payment out of you. You give because it brings joy to your heart with the understanding that it goes and come November 22nd. You'll hear, you'll look at our budget and you'll see how God is using this church in a mighty way, not just here but in our community and worldwide with what you give. And we work really hard to make sure that what you give goes towards God's work. But be careful of those people that will come along with philosophies that are going to kidnap you spiritually, emotionally, sometimes in odd ways physically. Be careful of those. And one of the easiest ways to sniff them out is do they stand to gain from you financially? Closing point today is this. Jesus is enough. Amen? That's all Paul's trying to say to this little church up in the hill country of Asia Minor. Or to this little church here in Concord Bible. Jesus is enough. Let me close in prayer today. And as I do so, I did just mention our giving. I'm going to pray over our giving and thank you for those that are part of that. Um, And uh, pray that the Lord blesses you in that. But I want you to hear me clearly. If you have a financial need, please talk to us throughout the week. Um, We want to become much more effective in this area with our deacon board. Uh, We've been talking about it. How can we help those who are in financial need? So if you have those kinds of needs, please come talk with us and let us know. Um, Myself, uh, Dale, um, Dale, wave your hand. Dale's right there. Um, And confidential, it's all kept quiet. um, And we would love to be able to help support you uh, in a time of need. All right, let me close in prayer this morning. God, today it is a gift to breathe. It is a gift to celebrate the freedom that your Son brings to us. 
I pray over our body this morning that many of us may be following empty and worldly philosophies. We may be buying into secular humanism. We may be buying into materialism. We may be buying into subjectivism. Um, on and on and on and on. Father, I pray that we find that Jesus is enough, as Paul was speaking about. I pray, Lord God, that we find how to be established in our walk, rooted, built up, and established in our walk. Speak to us throughout the week. To your glory, Father. Amen.